underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Tuesday, January 23rd, and from the Scotiabank Saddledome and the Hot Stove Lounge, welcome to the Sports Drive for Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Uh, with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, it's Pat Steinberg along with you on this Tuesday, and we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's uh, go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. Wes, we've got another Flames debut on this Tuesday night, and that debut is Cole Schwintz against the St. Louis Blues. Now, let me be very clear, not an NHL debut. This will be his fourth career NHL game, but his first since April of 2022, and first as a member of the Calgary Flames. He was recalled Tuesday morning and will um, immediately get into a game been having a nice year with the Wranglers. Remember, he was yeah. a, a late cut at training camp, uh, and I'm curious to see him in action. We'll get to all that very shortly. But before we before we get in on on that specifically, it is just another example of the Flames giving young players, giving players on the Wranglers roster, giving guys that uh, are are hungry and, and fighting for NHL time, giving them opportunity. And this is another example of them going out of their way to give them opportunity because they're scratching a guy who would be a little bit more of a veteran if you were to uh, if you were to point to Adam Rizicka who comes out of the lineup. So I, I, I just there's been a lot that has been swirling around the Flames this year, whether it be the UFAs, whether it be the trades that have already been made, whether it's the direction and should they blow it up or stay the course or whatever the case may be. There's been a lot of that stuff. But, you know, one of the overarching stories of this season that is nothing but positive is Craig Conroy being able to stay good to his word. I want to get younger. It's one of the things he said right from the get-go. Well, they've gone out of their way and, and so far have succeeded in doing just that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just uh, counting and, and I, I'm getting to numbers, you know, out of my comfort zone, but I, I do think it's seven players on the Flames sort of roster right now that have spent time with the Wranglers this season. I'm, I'm not including Oliver Shillington in that as as he continues his comeback on, on LTIR, but like that that's one third of your roster that has spent some time with the farm team this season. And we're talking mostly about guys who have been rewarded for their work in the minors with call ups, not simply brought up as injury replacements or, or as replacements for whatever reason. And and so I think it's been a great story. And, you know, both Craig Conroy and Ryan Husk have really put their money where their mouth is here. They talked about giving young players opportunities. They they talked about making sure that the Wranglers knew that there was a path to prime time if they yeah. sort of held up their end of the bargain. And, and we've watched it sort of one solo lap at a time. It's played out right in front of us, right? The, the number of players that have been given an opportunity this year, some 
who are still around, like Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil, who aren't going anywhere. Even guys like, you know, Jan Kuznetsov and, and Ilya Slovyov, who are now back in the American Hockey League. Like, the, the door has been more than cracked open for these young guys. And that's exactly, to their credit, what Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska told us to expect. And yet, I think we've seen it in numbers, in magnitude, that I certainly didn't see coming. Well, you know, as, as you talk about that and you get me thinking, I mean, you take a look at the record for the Wranglers, right? You take a look at the um, – and, and, and I know that they're not having quite as um, runaway a season as perhaps the first two uh, or the last two uh, under Mitch Love, one in Stockton, one with the Wranglers. I know they, they're not having quite as, as successful a year as right. it stands but right now. All their – Go to guys are here. Well, and that's that's what I'm getting at, right. and and they've all been prepared really well. And Ryan Huska said it Tuesday morning. Talked about the job Trent Cullen, his first year as head coach, has done in preparing uh, guys to jump in. Like the Wranglers have been a very good team in the American League, which is important. And the Flames, Brad Pascal has told us many times how important it is to be a winning team in the American League and how success and and building a winning culture is important for the Flames in developing their players. But the American League is also a development league for individual players and, and they've done a really good job of, of getting those individual players ready to jump in and play games. I mean, whether Solovyov or Kuznetsov are still here or not, they didn't jump in and look completely like fish out of water. And look at look at the way Zeri and Pospisil just jumped in and became impact makers immediately. I mean, I think you can be quite proud if you're the Flames of how they have been able to turn their American League team not just into a good AHL team, but an immediate feeder and, and a real instant springboard. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to make sure we give some credit to another a crew of staff at the Saddle Dome, and, and that's the development staff. Yeah. You know, Ray Edwards and, and Marty Jelena and Rebecca Johnston and, and now Michael Stone. Like, we're seeing that these players who are even now going in as subs for the Wranglers are, are ready to help, and that is a huge testament to some of the development work that is being done. You know, I, I think of the conversation that we had with Ryan Huska on Saturday. You know, a lot of people were obviously amped up to see that Matt Coronado had been recalled after leading the Wranglers in scoring for the stretch that he was in the minors. And there was even more excitement when you and others shared the lines and saw that Matt Coronado was going to play with Connor Zary and Nazem Kadri. And that's, I, I think, where we expect to see him again tonight. It's not just putting guys on the roster. It's putting them in the spots that they sort of envision that they could succeed. Right? Matt Coronado's here to be a scorer. Well, look who you're with. Connor Zary and Nazem Kadri. When Connor Zary came up, it wasn't, hey, you know, go play seven minutes on the fourth line and, and show us what you can do there. And when I asked Ryan Huska about it the other day, he he made reference to Andrew Mangiapane. You know, he talked about when he was coaching in the minors, they didn't really know what they had in, in Mangiapane. So they put him with two of their top offensive players. And at that point in Stockton, it was... Matt Fratton and Lyndon Vay and and that Ryan said sort of opened their eyes to mm-hmm. what sort of impact Mangiapane as a young guy could have and so I think there's a lot of credit to go around here for 
the opportunity that is being granted, but also for the preparedness, whether it's Trent Cull, whether it's Mitch Love, who's now in the Washington Capitals organization, whether it's Ray Edwards and his development staff, whether it's Brad Pascal, who, you know, is chiefly responsible for finding some of those minor league signings like Dennis Gilbert and Nick DeSimone, who are, are suddenly important pieces at the top level. It, yep. It's been, it, it has been the, I, I know yesterday you declared, and I still agree, Oliver Shillington to be the feel-good story of the season. The influx of young talent and what those players have done with their opportunity would be next on the list. And and also I think it's it's one of the more significant stories of the season so far. You know, the UFAs and the direction and all that type of stuff, that's been the cloud that's hovered over the sure. team all year. But I, I think this is really significant in terms of the direction the Flames are going and and what this group will be and, or, or could be long-term in a few years down the road. Well, because it changes the narrative slightly. You know, how, how many people have said about the Calgary Flames over the years, well, the cupboards are bare they don't have any young prospects that's not true and we're watching it play out and and i was never in the cupboards or bear camp but i'll be the first to say i didn't i didn't envision martin pospisil coming up and and having the impact that when healthy he's had on this team i, d- I didn't necessarily think of Connor Zaria is a guy who we were going to be talking about on the fringes of the Calder Trophy discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought Connor Zaria might be Michael Backlund's successor someday as third-line center. Suddenly it looks like Connor Zaria might have a future as a first-line winger. And so I think what we're seeing is these guys getting the opportunity. You know, the, the organization has nudged open the door for them, as they promised they would. And... Connor Zary leading the charge has just kicked it in. So the next guy, so right right now, you've got Coronado, Zary, Klapka, Schwint, all as playing members of the team. Pospisil is injured right now. So that's the current group that is up with this team. And as Wes mentioned, whether it's Wolf or um, Wolf or who else we've had. Solovyov, uh, Kuznetsov. And it's blank there for a and second. And Nick Simone's not a young guy, but – He's also, been a Wrangler yep. for a long time, and don't forget that Jordan Osterley spent a yep. sizable chunk of time there. He he was not signed with the intention of being a Calgary Wrangler, but I think if you talk to Jordan, he'd probably credit the winning culture down there with helping him kind of find his footing after a really rough stretch to start the season as well. Um and now specifically on Schwint himself, yeah. who uh, gets into the lineup Tuesday night. This is a potentially massive opportunity for the young man. Let's let's hear from him first. Um, he'll jump in for Adam Rizicka. Rizicka comes out of the lineup, and Schwint comes in. An opportunity for him to maybe grab hold of that number four center spot, which has not been solidified at any point this season. Question is, can he do it? Let's hear from Cole Schwint first. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, something as a kid you dream of playing in the NHL, and um, you know to get that opportunity to you know step in the lineup tonight, it, it's exciting, and um, you know I'm pumped to go. Who do you think of Cole during these career milestones? Like, is it a coach? Is it family? Like, who do you think of when you've, you've got these moments? Yeah, no, I just think of family. Family first and foremost. Um, you know, my, my biggest support staff. Uh, can't thank them enough. My two brothers, my mom. Um, 
you know, my dad that, that isn't with us anymore. Um, you know, this is all for them. Uh, I owe it all to them, and uh, I'll be playing for them tonight. I know you can't speak for every Wranglers player, but what's this year been like seeing so many guys get get these opportunities to come up and play in the NHL? Yeah, you know, for, for all of us, it's a, you know, it's a great position to be in. Um, you know, like I said earlier, it's it's an honor to, to get that call up, and it's it's something that needs to be earned, and um, you know, it's exciting. Uh, you know, you see guys like Zary and Posby up here. It's they've done great, and um, you know that, that that that's big credit to, to them putting the work in uh, with the Wranglers. And um, you know, it's exciting. Everybody always dreams of being here, and um, you know, it's it's lucky that I'm here. It's been a few years since your last NHL game. Like, what do you think things change in terms of the player you are and how how ready you are for this compared to a few years ago? Yeah, no, I think this time around, I think I'm a little bit more mature. Um, I have a little bit of a better understanding of, of the player I am and the player that, that I want to be. And um, you know, I'm just excited for this one. It's been it's been a year, like you said, and um, you know, I'm just excited to get back in the NHL and, and play a game here. That is Cole Schwint. Uh, he spoke in the locker room Tuesday morning. As uh, and and then right after that, Ryan Huska uh, gave some thoughts on Cole Schwint as well. Kind of what he's here to do, what the Flames want to see from him. Here's the head coach of the Calgary Flames Tuesday morning. We need someone in the middle on the fourth line to kind of grab hold of the role. Um, so the door is open and there's opportunities there. And I. I think for him that was kind of the message. So don't overthink it. Just come and play and, and use your size to your advantage. Use your speed to your advantage and be a, a hard guy to play against. So um, he's done a good job like the other guys that we brought up from the Wranglers to earn the opportunity. And I, I hope that they all look at it as there's there's chance. If we do what they need us to do down here, there's an opportunity that may come later on. So it's, it's good. Trent and his staff have done a good job of preparing players and um, – now we want them to grab the opportunity. What do you make of, of Cole's defensive instincts? He seems like a player who seems to know that him being a defensive forward is his future in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's part of how we envision him. I mean, he, he's got a skill set, too, that you can't overlook. Like, he's a big guy that shoots the puck well. He skates well. Um, but where we kind of envision him slotting is in, in one of those roles where you're, whether it's fourth, third, or some sort of role where you're going to be relied upon to play against good players um, and to make sure you do a good job for our team. So um, he's trending in that direction, and this is his opportunity. Just kind of specifically on him, he starts the line or starts the season in the AHL on a line with Zary and Pospisil, and then suddenly they're both up and having success. I'm curious, in your experience as a coach at that level, what's it like for the guy who's left there? in terms of what kind of happens next to join his buddies at the next level? Yeah, we, we had uh, Jankowski, Manjapani, and Hathaway one year, and they all sort of at different times found their way up to the NHL, so it's no it's no different. I think the, the biggest thing that it does is create the belief that, hey, I might have an opportunity. And oftentimes when a player sees their line mates get chances, it makes them dig in a little bit more. So I think they realize that they're not that far away, and it gives them a little extra boost or motivation. That is head coach Ryan Huska. So here comes Cole Schwint, a big opportunity. And I know we're talking about a number four center spot. I, I grant you all that. And, and it's not the, the world's most, uh, it's not the, the world's sexiest conversation or, or the sexiest spot that he's moving into. But, you know, it also opens up the conversation of, okay, Cole Schwint profiles as a guy who might be a good fit there. And maybe there's a little bit more upside than just that. 
But what does this mean for the guy that he replaces in the lineup on Tuesday night in Adam Ruzicka, who has gotten chance after chance after chance? This is game 47 for the Flames. Of the 46 games so far this year, Ruzicka has played in 39 of them. And at no point has he done enough or, or really anything close to it to say, this is my spot in the lineup. This is my role. I'm going to embrace the role and be good at the role. He's had some decent games, but he's had far too many nights where he's been a passenger. There's been far too many nights when he's been an also-ran. And so to this point, the guy who's been given the most opportunity as that number four center has not been able to grab it or solidify it. So now that we're into the second half of the season, Schwint comes up. This is not injury-related. Rizicka's out as a healthy scratch. What does this mean for him and where things are going for number 63? Let let me really quickly hit rewind on you because I just want to make a point before uh, it eludes me. It's better be a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's better be a good point. When you talk about, you know, it might not be the the sexiest job that he's auditioning for, fourth line center. I, I always say, you, you could say the same thing about sixth or fifth defenseman. I always stress the importance. You have to grow your own in those roles too. Otherwise, you wind up spending valuable cap dollars to bring in veterans to do those jobs. And so, yes, you're right. It's not the sexiest position, but with all due respect to Trevor Lewis, for example, if you can grow your own fourth-line centers, you're one step ahead in that sense. Right. Now to the bigger topic, and you set it up really well, you know, I wonder, I just wonder if Adam Ruzicka realizes the opportunity that he has so far kind of let slip through his grasp this season. The The Calgary Flames coming into training camp, and we talked about it in the, the fall, and, and we all heard the rumors or, or the, you know, the comments around the rink, like, they were determined to make this work with Adam Ruzicka. Going they, out of their way. Absolutely yep. out of their way to create opportunity for Adam, to make sure that he was going to get, you know, whether it was top nine, middle six, however you want to frame it, that he was going to get opportunity to fill one of those maybe more prototypical skill roles. And, and all that's happened since the start of the season – and I guess fast-forwarding more to when Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil came up, is he's been he's played his way out of that role, and the youngsters have pushed him out of it. Adam Ruzicka is not on the fourth line, and tonight in the press box because of bad luck or bad circumstances, he's in the press box tonight because Connor Zary came up and said, you know what, I can do a better job of playing on the second line than... Adam Ruzicka's doing. And he's done it. Martin Pospisil, three days later, you know what? I can be a better fit for the top nine than Adam Ruzicka's been. Mm-hmm. And he's done exactly that. And now Adam Ruzicka, who has found himself on the fourth line, oftentimes you kind of watch him and think, does this guy think that he is too good to be playing on the fourth line? Because he's not doing the things that you ask your fourth liners to do. And that's a pretty clear message at least from my vantage point from Ryan Huska, in bringing up Cole Schwint, in bringing up Adam Klapka, and putting those guys on the fourth line instead in a game against a fellow wildcard hopeful. You're, yeah. not, you're not doing what we're asking you to do. And while you, your skill has been evident 
on that second power play, that alone is not enough to keep you with three goals and nine points this season in our line. Well, and the, the, the point that you make is a really important one about how much opportunity they've given this this guy over the and, – and look – I go back to the to the preseason. I go back to the beginning of the regular season. I was kind of I was like, okay, I, I I think there's something here, and and maybe this is this is the year that it pops. And and so I gave the benefit of the doubt. I I think for quite quite some time, and and it just kept on going the way that it's always gone. And you're right, the opportunity that has been presented this year. Not only did they go out of their way saying, we want you as one of our 12 forwards, they went out of their way in training camp to say, we want you as one of our top nine forwards. And and as you said, we want to give you this opportunity and we are giving you this chance this season. We are get, they, You don't very often as a 24, 25-year-old NHLer with, you know, who is yet to solidify himself as a full-timer, you know, bubble guys don't usually get gifted legs up, right? They don't right. usually get gifted a different like like a little bit of a stepladder and that was given to him right there like we're going to give you more opportunity than we're going to give other guys in camp because we see something and we want to see if it's going to work and really it has it has not been capitalized on it was capitalized on for one quarter of a season and that was last year when he flirted with point per game for about a quarter of a year what was it was he 21 and 25 20 and 25 20 25 yeah so he had that one quarter where it was great, yeah. and then it hasn't since that point. Since what the third quarter of last season, it has not been anywhere close. And now you find yourself into the third quarter of this season, and I, and I think the Flames are now in a spot where they see a decision down the road. His contract's up at the end of the year. He's due a qualifying offer again. It's like okay, where where are you going with? Yeah. Other players who have jumped up and given them things to think about in the top 12 or top 9, where does Adam fit going into next season? That's a question they're going to be asking themselves here over the next number of weeks and, and towards the trade deadline and certainly towards the end of June when those QOs are due. Yeah, and you know, buddy, all I could think about as you were making those very good points is I, I can almost picture Adam Ruzicka driving to the rink right now, listening as you say, well, here's a guy who hasn't established himself. And I can, I can picture Adam saying, what? Here, you, you know, the guys on the bubble don't, what? On the bubble? And I just, I need to see some indication on the ice that he sees this thing slipping through his fingers. And I, I just haven't seen that. And Like, you want to see urgency? You yeah. Want to see, like, you want to see a guy who's like, hey, it's the preseason. I'm fighting for an NHL job. We're not seeing that right now. Exactly. And, and if I find that frustrating as an observer, I can only imagine how Ryan Huska and Mark Savard, who works with the forwards, and, and everyone else feels about it. And this is, like, tonight... Adam Ruzicka is going to watch two guys who have played a combined heading into tonight four NHL games skate on that fourth line. Cole Schwinn's played in three, gets his first opportunity with the Flames tonight. Adam Klapka plays his second NHL game. So you've got, you know, beside A.J. Greer, you've got two unproven, and, and that's certainly a fair way to put it, players on your fourth line. But you need to realize, too, like Jacob Pelche I firmly expect to be in the Calgary Wranglers lineup this weekend 
in at least one of their games as he starts his comeback from a shoulder injury. So he's going to be part of your equation soon, right? Kevin Rooney, same thing, coming back from shoulder surgery. He wants to be part of that fourth-line equation. The Calgary Flames, if they see the right things from Walker Dewar, are eventually going to want to give him another opportunity. Adam Ruzicka is not just competing with two untested kids right now mm-hmm. for minutes on the fourth line, and that's what he needs to understand. Yep. As these other guys move into position to get another opportunity, whether that is from refining or, or bouncing back their play the way that they're asking Walker to Walker Dewar to do, whether that's returning from injury the way Jacob Pelche and Kevin Rooney are about to do. Like he is at risk of getting pushed from thirteen to sixteen on the depth chart pretty soon. Yep. And that's something that I just want to see a sign that he gets. I, I want to see I guess I want to see a sign that he's determined to show that shouldn't be the case. Yep. And, and I just haven't seen it. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline because the trade deadline then could open up more space if, if a forward or two is dealt out. I, I have no idea how that's going to play out. I mean, yeah. I think we've got a pretty good idea that, you know, Lindholm probably gets moved between now and March 8th. But I don't know if there's going to be anybody else. Um, and if there's not anybody else, well, that does open up another center ice spot. But, you know, who's to say that somebody else doesn't get if 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 Ruzicka continues to kind of scuffle along here yeah. if it's not somebody else who's given that opportunity. If they don't give a guy like Yegor Sharangovich an opportunity to move to the middle and that opens up a top nine wing spot for Pelche yeah. um, or, or something else like that. We've talked about Clark Bishop and how much they appreciate the way he plays sure. in, in the American League. And so there's, there's definitely... There, there's a gauntlet in front of number 63 yeah. now. And, you know, if Cole Schwint plays well tonight, I, I don't know. Like, what's to say that he doesn't if, – if he profiles the way that the Flames hope he does as a responsible number four center that you can trust to go out there and, and you know, not get scored on and, and maybe win some shifts against other teams' fourth line, well – that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for offense. They're looking for a line that can go and set the table for the next line, go out, spend some time, cycle, get some shot attempts, and then maybe force an ozone face-off or maybe get the other team on their heels. And, and so they've got to get an urgent change in when you start putting one of your top nine lines back out there. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's uh, it's all of a sudden it feels like there's a bit of a gauntlet for for Adam in front of him. It, it does, and I'm sure it's sort of nerve wracking for Craig Conroy and his staff as they wonder what the next move should be with Adam. You know, is this a, a change of scenery candidate? Like this guy has the tools you're looking for, right? He's a big body. He can really fire the puck. Like he's strong. He he has all these sort of tools that you covet. And those are the players you hate to give up on because you'd hate to see them go somewhere else and score 25 as a, a winger in another organization or, or whatever. And it's just, I, I I can't say it any more simple than I hope Adam's not sitting there thinking, geez, I'm not getting a fair shake here because I'm not sure that anyone has been presented more opportunity yep. to prove that they're they're more than they're currently cast as 
than Adam Ruzicka this season. Uh, a few texts at 960-960. This says uh, from Mike, Todd Button should get some credit as well for the great drafting job. So many draft picks have been traded away over the years with very little to show, but the amateur group has hit it big with what little they've had to work with, and, and they have done some yeah. nice work with the amateur group. I mean, as much as we just have, have sat here talking and, uh, about the frustrations that go along with the Adam Ruzicka experience, the fact of the matter is – He's still a fourth-round pick and a guy that has been able to put himself in the mix to be an NHLer. We know there's more there, which adds to the frustration, but he also is a number four pick or a fourth-round pick, and they've had lots of those guys that have turned into players that that can at the very least enter the conversation as bubble guys. Solovyov's a late pick. Kuznetsov's a round two pick. All those types of things. Hospital's a fourth-rounder. Yep. Yeah. Um, that Dustin Wolf kid looks okay as a seventh round pick. Seventh round, yeah, yeah. Number seven round pick. Uh, this uh, is from Mick says Sutter liked Sutter liked Rizicka because he was big, but wouldn't give other guys who cared a chance. It just shows how bad a coach Sutter was. This says I'm sorry, Rizicka. Can, can I just jump in for a second? Yeah, Daryl Sutter scratched Adam Rizicka for a whole lot of hockey games, so did give him give him a chance and, and yeah. worked for. In you know, that quarter of a role. season, yeah. But Adam Ruzicka is a guy who should have benefited from a coaching change. Yeah. It, you know, he he collected dust for the last two months of yeah. last season. He's a guy who should have benefited from a new coach, a new voice, a, a chance to show that he should be an every-night guy in the lineup. And Ryan Huska has given him that chance. That's what that's what we keep saying, right? Ryan Huska has given him that opportunity. Uh, that will wrap us up inside hockey on this Tuesday edition of Flames Talk. Inside hockey's for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, on a more positive note, it sure does feel like, uh, I'm going to try and put this as, as best I can, it just feels like Oliver Shillington is back. Like, it just feels like, hey, he's, he's, he's a flame. And him being away from the team for as long as he was, he didn't really feel that for quite some time because, you know, you don't want to say... You don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, because I don't think he was ever out of mind. We were always talking about him, and there'd always be questions, and he'd always just say, hey, just hope with with, with the you know dark spot that he was in at times. You just hope he's doing okay. But it just, he practiced with the team for the first time on Monday. Yeah. Held court with us in a, a media scrum following like it was um, his 10,000th time doing it. And look comfortable. Had that Oliver Shillington swagger back, which is like just like, hey, there's something. This guy's like an NHLer. Like there's a there's a swagger there, and I say that in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a confident guy, and and that confidence was back, and smile was back. He was cracking jokes, and um, then he was on the ice Tuesday for morning skate, and you know you go into the locker room afterwards, and this was my this was my cue in my head. I was doing my inventory of who's in the locker room and who's not, which is always a, a good way of determining who's going to be in the lineup and who's not. And my first thought when I saw Shillington's locker bear, I was like, oh, Shillington's a healthy scratch tonight. And then I was like, oh, no, okay, about a half a second later, you're like, well, obviously that's not the case. He's working his way back, but it just was like, 
it was, oh, Shillington, and you're just like, you're used to him being here. Yeah. Even though he's only been back for two days with the team. And so, I don't know, it feels like he's back. It feels like he's not going anywhere. And I know this is a, a nonlinear process, and there's still lots of things the team is checking in uh, uh, with him about and all that type of stuff. But, I don't know, on, on Hockey Talks, which is uh, the theme for Tuesday's game, it's the annual Hockey Talks game at the Dome, it's just – it feels like he's back, and it feels like he's just part of the team, and and that's awesome. It just it feels like here's a guy who really has worked his way back from a a pretty dark spot, and and it's awesome to see. Yeah, you know, you and I chatted about this off air, and and kind of the way I put it, and and I hope this makes sense is, you know, Oliver Shillington came back to practice with the. Well, let's let's even start before that. He he came out for a, a small group skate with the Flames, I believe, early December. Might have been right at the end of, of November. It was December 1. December 1, yeah. okay. And it was like, oh, yeah, he said it went really well. Okay, well, hopefully he, he kind of feels up to doing it tomorrow. Hopefully it went so well that we, we see him again tomorrow. And that that then, you know, he became a regular in, in those skates with Jacob Pelche and Kevin Rooney who were injured and then he joins the Wranglers and and what you heard after was yeah he feels like it went really well you know hopefully that means he'll be practicing with the Wranglers tomorrow and and there he was and you know after the first game yeah he felt like it went really well hopefully he feels like he he can play another game soon and and he did and now so it was questions, and again, I hope I'm not butchering this, but there was always sort of a question of, okay, well, are we going to see Oliver, and I, I say that not from an organizational standpoint, but for people like you and I, well, are we going to see Oliver again tomorrow at Wrangler's practice? And now, you know, today it, it sort of felt like, yeah, of course Oliver Shillington's here. He was here yesterday, and course he's back today and, and i i see that in such a positive light i i yeah i can't stop sort of replaying in my mind oliver shillington's very honest and very open comment yesterday that i didn't know if i'd be back here yep and that regardless of whether you know the details or not and and i shouldn't say regardless because we don't know the details but that that is just all the glimpse you need into what this young man went through with his mental health challenges over the past season and a half. And and now to have that feeling that you and I both have that, geez, it's like, he's just, he's here and he's part of it again. Like that comment he made yesterday, just felt like a normal day. Isn't that what everyone around Oliver Shillington has been hoping to hear that Oliver Shillington being at practice and being at morning skate and being around his buddies would just be normal again. And I sincerely hope that's where we're at. It sure feels like it is. Well, and and you've pointed this out a few times, but when he first came back and that conditioning loan was approved, there was a statement from Craig Conroy and a statement from Oliver Shillington that the Flames released on their social media channels. And the what, what I thought was really interesting was what we heard from uh, what we heard from Oliver, where he said that, uh, hey, this is, I, I'm, I'm really excited to get back to my normal life. And I'm really excited to, to get back to, to that routine again. And I think that we're seeing how awesome that is for him and now i think the it's it's a really fair question to ask okay when the heck do we see this guy in a flames in a flames 
uniform again in game action. Could yeah. we see him before the end of this homestand? I don't know. Um, it, it, it felt like but all it's along. it's not crazy now to think we could. It's not, especially yeah. after Ryan Huska comes out on Monday morning and says, boy, it looks like he hadn't missed a beat. And yeah. now he's had two practices under his belt. And he'll practice again on Wednesday, morning skate again on Thursday. I don't know. Like, that, you could make a real good argument that there's a lot of common sense to put him into the game against the Blackhawks on Saturday. Or if not, then you know that sometime after the All-Star break, you could get him in. Yeah, and, and not to sound like a broken record, but the one thing we keep hearing and the one thing we keep reiterating is that Oliver's ultimately going to be the one who nods his head and says, "Yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to play a game. Let you know. Let's go. I, it's time for for that step." And everything we see from the outside, watching him practice, watching him at morning skate today, it just looks like when that moment comes that he says, yeah, I, I'm ready for this step, it, it, you, you, you've you wanted to put him back in, and, and it just feels like that wait is almost over. Yeah, And, and I just think that's – I'm stumbling on my words here because I feel like I just keep saying the same thing over and over, but what a, what a great feel-good story that that is. And it feels like at this point it, it's maybe as much a physical thing in terms of when are you ready? Like yeah. when are you physically ready? When's the body ready to get back in as much as anything else? Which again um, – He's just, not going through the motions out there, right? No. He, yesterday in practice, you know, he's as invested as everyone else. If you watched him in the little bit of extra work today, like they were going hard out yeah. there. A um, couple of other things to touch on. Jacob Markstrom officially back in. He'll get the start for the Flames when they take on the Blues. Um, he's had time to rest again, um, and I know it wasn't like a uh, it wasn't a determined rest. They didn't choose this, but uh, he had a lower body injury. They kept him out for three games. They didn't want to push, and we saw what happened the last time he came out after a somewhat extended break. He missed two weeks the last time with that fractured finger came back, and he's been at an elite level ever since well the momentum gets messed with a little bit but now he's missed three games and his last start was last Saturday so it's been about 10 days since he's played he comes right back in with uh, another opportunity to jump back fully rested which I'm curious to see how that affects his game because we know how good he plays or has the potential of playing when he's when he's fully rested and those energy levels are where they need to be yeah the one thing Jacob pointed out to us yesterday when we were asking him about you know, that idea of picking up where you left off is, is that he didn't miss a lot of practice time this time. Like, he, he was able to work with Jason LaBarbera almost from the point that they announced that he was out with this injury. And so I think that's a really good sign. The Calgary Flames need him at the high level that he was at, especially sort of between injuries there from the fractured finger to the lower body ailment that just cost him three games. You know, he was absolutely superb in that stretch. And if they can get him back at that level starting tonight and and I assume running the table through Saturday playing, you know, three straight starts, it would it would be a big thing for a team that has to be putting a, some pressure on itself to take advantage of these three games. Yeah. The um the, I, I think when it's all said and done, 
in all of his time as a member of the Flames, going back to that uh, 2021-56 game season when he first started with Calgary. I think of all the time that he's been with Calgary, this season is going to be the year that they end up managing his rest levels most effectively, and not always by design because there have been some injuries. Like, nobody plans on him trying to make a stop with the backside of his blocker and breaking a finger, right? But they're going to end up managing his rest more effectively this year than I think that they than they ever have. And I'm curious to see how that, if, if they do end up making it into the playoffs, what that means. Or if they do end up in the month of March needing to roll this guy out all the time because of, I, I wonder how that ends up paying off for him or if it could pay off for them in the long run. Because that's, that's one of the reasons why you do this. You do this so that you get better mark in the moment when you're playing him a little bit less, but you're also doing it so that he can be a little fresher when it matters the absolute most. Yeah, and if you end up, you know, kind of falling out of contention and consider trade offers for Jacob Markstrom, it's going to appeal to other teams as well that we're not talking about a guy who's played 55 games going into the trade deadline. Yep. And, and so I do think that they've sort of found a sweet spot. You You hate that the... You hate that the rest keeps coming as a result of injury or illness. That That's not a great sign. But the fact that he's always returned quite quickly, and if he can again, like he did after the fractured finger, sort of pick up where he left off, that would be a really good sign. You know, this is a guy who's having a great season. And credit to Dan Vladar, who I think has been a little bit more up and down. He gave... Jacob Markstrom, an opportunity to make sure he got the right amount of rest with this latest injury. You know, I do wonder if the initial plan was maybe that we'd see Jacob Markstrom Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers, but Dan Vladar sort of earned another start with the the way he played. But Jacob Markstrom's your number one guy, and they might need to ride him a little bit more if they hang around in this wild card race and and every little bit of rest up to that point is going to be helpful and i i even look at some of the other when he, when he's been healthy like there's been a couple of eye ra- uh, eyebrow raising starts that we've seen from vladar i think of that nashville game on the road where vladar let him out you're like oh they're going vladar okay that's that's got to absolutely be uh hey we're resting we're resting jacob and we're making sure that uh we're we're keeping an eye on this thing and I do know there's been plenty of internal conversations and the numbers that are available um, that the Flames have the numbers that are available that other people have access to um, it all shows that there's a significant difference when Jacob's playing closer to 100% energy levels as opposed to, say, 85 or 90% energy levels. And, and some goalies have the ability to still be elite when the energy levels are a little depleted. Some guys do. Some guys don't. It's not a criticism or anything like that. But it just shows that there are guys, and I think it's the way the league is going overall. There's not a lot of guys that play 65 or 70 anymore, and I think you're going to see that happen less and less and less as we move forward here just with how specialized this position is. But yeah. Jacob's one of those guys that, you know, he's probably better if you're getting 52 or 54 starts as opposed to 61 or 63 starts. It doesn't seem like much, but in the course of a week and in the course of a month, that's really important rest time or recuperation time for a guy who plays all 60 minutes every night. And it's tricky. Like the difference between, let's say, 52 starts and 62 starts 
when you've been your team's best player on a lot of nights, yep. of course the coach is going to want to run you out there over and over and over. And that's why Dan Vladar and his performance is so important to this conversation. You know, if Dan Vladar had another performance this week like he had against the Chicago Blackhawks, you'd start to say, geez, that's, that's two really bad ones in his last four starts. But because... Because his last three were so good, you can look at that Blackhawks game as more of a blip, right? Gives you more confidence to put Dan Vladar in there again soon. You look at that trip after, and I don't think there's any back-to-backs, but you know, you look at that trip after the break, well, those are four tough games. But the level that Dan Vladar has proven to be at of late I don't know that you're too worried about having to put him in one of those. Yep. And and I think that's a really important second part of it's not just getting Jacob rest. You have to trust the guy who you're putting in to do the job instead. Yep. Uh, it is Pat and Wes underway this hour on Flames Talk as we start to move towards the end of this hour. Thanks to Shannon Cam, uh, our producers back at Sportsnet 960 World Control as we start to wrap things up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.